Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, my name's Sean Whetstone, and I'm representing West Ham this evening. You can find me on Twitter at West Ham Football. Hello, my name is Thomas Nigrian, and I represent Liverpool on this pod today, and you can find me on www.lfcsv.se. Hello, I'm Jake. I'm uh, the Newcastle fan for this podcast. Uh, you get me on Twitter at JakeJack with two ends, and I write for EPL Index and The Boot Room. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, uh, we're going to talk about some uh, recent happenings in the Premier League and just get your takes on them. Uh, we'll start off with uh, the Arsenal loss yesterday. Obviously, 1-0 up, figured they were just going to win, end up conceding two, losing that match to Watford. Uh, in the, the wake of that, a lot of people, including Troy Deeney in a very uh, exposing interview with BT, uh, said that you know they don't have the right amount of grit or toughness. I believe he used the phrase cojones um, <laughs> when describing what Arsenal's problems were. Do you think that that's a, a problem for Arsenal right now? And how big a factor do you think things like grit are in football in the Premier League? Yeah, I mean, I mean you, you have to see the game out. And um, we know that only too well from, from you know, yesterday. You know, we went down to 10 men and we showed a lot of grit and determination in holding on with 10 men to our 1-0 lead. And, you know, we held on to the 85th minute when we can see the goal. Um, and and that's that's a common trait of West Ham. If I, if I was to have a criticism, you know, we can't see a game out. Um, we did the same with uh, Southampton earlier on. You know, we were, we were um, uh, and I can't remember this, we either drew or, or we lost 3-2 and, and we conceded in the 90th minute. And I, I've just run an article on Clarence Hugh, which is a West Ham news site I write for. And I've looked back at the whole of 2017 and found exactly that. We've lost 10 points in the Premier League by conceding a goal in the last 10 minutes. So yeah, tenacity, grit, you've got to keep your game and your discipline right to the dying seconds. The amount of points that are lost by losing concentration in the last five minutes. Um, it's, it's a game of inches. On my other podcast, I talk about the game of inches. And just one small mistake either way can, can be a travesty for a, a make or break a season, really. Yeah, Thomas, obviously Liverpool's defense has caught a lot of flack uh, this season, despite the 0-0 uh, yesterday against Manchester United. Do you think that's something that's missing from Liverpool? Yeah, I, um, I don't know if grit is the right word for both Arsenal and Liverpool, really, but I think both the teams uh, lack some kind of leadership. Uh, Arsenal has had that problem since Vieira left, and we've had that problem since, since Gerard's days. So... Um, you need to have leaders and fighters on the pitch. And we both 
lack that, I think. And uh, especially when you can't get the game going, when you have problems winning to the mid, mid winning the midfield, uh, you can afford to get outmuscled in games like that. So um, we often have that problem since our midfielders aren't very physically. And I think um, Arsenal have a bit of the same problem. I didn't see the game yesterday, but uh, when they played against us, they lacked a lot of leadership. I'm, I'm just not buying into this grit and what, tenacity or whatever you want to call it. It's just such a lazy media narrative for Arsenal. They've, they've got a lot of problems, uh, and I agree to some extent that they could get some players with a little bit more leadership. But, I mean, yesterday they had Mertesacker in the team. He's, he's a, a proven leader, uh, captain Germany before. Um, Kalasinac, I'd say, is very much a player that, that, that fits the mould of uh, all these words we're using to describe what Arsenal need, and they signed him in the summer. He's very sort of um, hustle-bustle. He, he gives 100%. Uh, can get get stuck in and yesterday Arsenal uh, won 18 tackles to Watford's 15, won 30 aerial duels to Watford's 22. Like they they did they did the qualities that you would you would associate with these these words better than Watford did. So I don't understand why that's a narrative at all. It's just so lazy. And I think if if Arsenal if Dan was on the podcast, uh, Arsenal fan <laughs> Dan, he he is absolutely against this narrative. And I, I think I've been on podcasts with him before where he's just torn into it. And I, I completely agree. I think Arsenal have got problems. I think their main problems are they're playing a 3-4-2-1 that it doesn't suit suit the players at all. And if Wenger's done it because he's just, he's just following trends. He's, he can't coach it. And then last season, they had a bit of luck with it. I, d- I don't think they dominated any game that they played with it last season. They got some good results, but they were never convincing and they've just stuck with it. They've not added the players they needed to. Their central midfield needed to be strengthened during the summer. They did do that. I think to, uh, yesterday it was El Nenny and Chaka. Like, Chaka's a good player, but he's not. He, him and El Nenny as a pair doesn't work. Like, they don't know what roles they're carrying out. Like, I couldn't tell you what roles they were carrying out. Were they playmakers were they box to box I, I i couldn't tell you because uh, it was just so unclear there's just massive gaps Be- bellerin is, is doesn't know how to play right wing back and then you've just got awobi and welbeck like they're they're not good they're not that good i just think arsenal is the sixth best team in the Premier league that's what they are and, and they're they're you know they, that's where they're going to finish they're not going to finish any higher or any lower they're just the sixth best team i don't think there's any big problems <laughs> well there, there are big problems but i don't think they're underperforming i think Watford are a good team they, they just got beaten uh, Liverpool went to Watford early in the season. They didn't. They didn't win. It, it's just it, they're going to be a good team this year. And I think uh, I just think it, it was. It's there's it, not a lot to write home. But Arsenal should have changed their manager. They should have signed more players. They they've got a lot of problems. But grit and determination. Although you, although the, yeah, they could probably get some better more uh, better players of leadership. I don't think that's their main problem at all. I think it's just the system, players, quality. I just don't think that 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 good. I just think they're the sixth best team in the Premier League. Um, a lot of interesting points there, but kind of following uh, Thomas's point, I, I do also agree with you that they have a lot of leaders on the pitch, including Mertesacker, who I think was club captain before he got hurt. Um, could there be a lack of leadership from the top down? Because there's a lot of bickering between ownership where they consider selling their shares every other week. It feels like we're seeing a story about Gazidis and, and uh, Kroenke and everything. Then you have Wenger, who, as you mentioned, is already one foot out the door, so it's hard to really buy into him. Do you think potentially that's where the leadership issue is? Possibly, I think. I tell you what, I think is is very evident from from the first few weeks of the Premier League season. Uh, I'll just three examples because there's three that come to mind: uh, Sanchez, uh, Van Dijk, and Coutinho. They all wanted to leave their clubs, right? And and they they didn't get their moves. They've all they've all had to stay. Have any of those clubs benefited from it? They, they Southampton, Liverpool, and 
Arsenal are all struggling and they're not fulfilling their potential. I just think they, if you've got a player that wants to leave, you should sell them. I think that's another problem for Arsenal. They've just got players that, in it, they've just kept players that don't want to be there. I just, that is, there's just a lot wrong. And I just, I, I agree. It, it's from the top. I think Wenger, it doesn't have the respect of the dressing room. It doesn't have the respect of the fan base. It probably doesn't even have the respect of the board anymore. I don't really know what he's doing there. Uh, you can, you can tell, he's, he's probably not telling his players to go out and play like this. I'm, I'm sure he's got some sort of plan. And it, there's, from what I've read on Wenger, he's very laissez-faire. He, he, he lets his players sort of get on with what they want to do. And I think that's just not the way to manage anymore. Players don't have football brains. They're just, you know, I, I hate to just pick on my own generation, but it's just all just like <laughs> phones and stuff. They, it's just not that intelligent. Like I, I've seen it at Newcastle with Benitez. Like he, as programmed our players to practically be robots on the pitch these characters instructions we're a better, much better team because of it. i just think that the game has just left arson finger behind like you can see with pep like he he's he gives his players so many instructions because they need those instructions to go and carry out and dominate games like city under pellegrini were a lot worse than they are now and it's taken time under pep but now they've got their they, they've done it. i just think Wenger, it's just it all big bogs down to venga i think we could have all predicted this coming of arsenal it's not a surprise they they're just not very good. <laughs> John, I'd be interested to get your take because uh, you, you were kind of tipping Arsenal to be big contenders this year. Was I? <laughs> I don't <laughs> remember that far back. Did I really say that? Uh, you did. You said uh, you thought Arsenal were going to be a bit of a... Oh, yeah, surprise. but that was just to wind you up. I, ah, I well. More than any of the Spurs fan. Uh, look, it hasn't been I think you people overanalyze these things too much. You know, if it's about Wenger or Grit and thing, what happened with Chelsea yesterday? You know, sometimes you just have a bad day at the office and um, I don't know. I, I, I think we can overanalyze it too much. Uh, Wenger, I, I'm, still, I'm sure he's still got the dressing room and, you know, they will learn from it and, and move on. I just think that um, <laughs> the media just goes completely mad and makes up a lot of these, these problems where they don't exist and... Um, so, I, I, are they, they going to win the league? No. If I said at the beginning, I was crazy. Are Spurs going <laughs> to win the league? Or just winding me up. <laughs> do Man City look like they're going to win the league? Yes, they do. Yeah. Uh, very, very terrifying. Do Manchester City look? Um, uh, we, this is not on the running order, but figured we should touch on it again this week. We touched on it on the last full uh, Premier League show uh, on Coleman's job. Looks like they were going to lose. They pull out a late draw. Do we think that Coleman will be their manager by their next match? Yeah, I I, I think um, they stick by him. I mean, what? Who else is out there? Um, what else can they do? Um, I mean, we're not. They're not going to be relegated, are they? Um, I know they're the sixteenth position below West Ham, by the way, <laughs> uh, in fifteenth. But you know, they've got eight points. I'm sure they will climb up that table a little bit more. Will will they be in the top six this year? No. Um, but that's not a reason. You know, people don't stick by managers enough. And there's too too much knee jerk. I think they stick by Kuman. And I know the other person equally, right, <laughs> Slavin Bilic will go. And equally, I think they'll stick by Slavin Bilic. So there you go. The bookies have got, I think, odds on both of these managers going by the end of the season. My prediction is... Both of them will still be in place by the end of the season, and other managers will go. Interesting. Probably Hodgson, by the way. Mm. I think he'll stay as well. Um, they have a lot of new players, so it will take some time for him to get them get them in. They lost Lukaku, and he was the main man last year. 
And uh, I think they've had some trouble to getting Sigurdsson and those new guys in the team. And Rooney, well, he's, he's past his prime, so maybe it was the wrong decision to, to get him to the club. But I think he'll stay. And I think, he, I think well, they will end somewhere around 7th or 8th in the end, because they have quite a good team. They are not as good as uh, the top six, but uh, they are too good to be at the bottom. So um, give them a month and they'll be in the middle. And just, yeah. just to put it into context, by the way, sorry to butt in, but one win would put them 10th, you know, uh, Kev. Um, so that, that shows you how tight that middle is uh, of that, that table at the moment. There's really nothing in it. I'm going to take on the controversial stance on this podcast, and I think I'm doing for every subject right now. But I just, I just don't think Kuman's very good. I think he's a bit of a fraud. I just, every job we've been at, he's just been looking higher. Like during the summer, he was, it was his camp that was touting him for Barcelona. They, those, those messages were coming from his camp. They, they were leaking the message, uh, sort of the stories that he could be in the running. Like he, he thinks he's a lot better than he is, and he's not a great manager. I think again to reference Dan, I think he's called him the the, uh, the Dutch David Moyes, which isn't even the worst comparison of what Kuman <laughs> is. He's not very good. The, the the transfers they did over the summer, they regressed. They put they signed Michael Keane, Jordan Pickford, um, you know, and, and some before Ashley Williams and Gilfie Sigurdsson. Like if you sign mid table players, you become a mid table team, and that's exactly what Everton are going to be. I, I think he, I don't think he's going to last to Christmas I think he's going to be gone before Christmas because they've got new owners they're not going to be patient I, he's not going to turn this around <laughs> he's Deport not he's, he's going to go <laughs> I've, I've seen people linking Angelotti oh, <laughs> which is amazing <laughs> uh-huh. but the Premier League is a major pull and I can't be going out saying that Everton could get Angelotti if we got Benitez when we got uh, relegated so um <laughs> but yeah I, I don't think Koeman's that good I think I think he's probably going to get the sack sooner or later interesting well, it'll definitely be worth uh keeping an eye on going forward all right, now into specific club topics. We'll start with you, Sean. Um, statistically, uh, Aaron Cresswell is having one heck of a season, leads the league in crosses, but West Ham on the whole not creating a lot of chances. Do we think that'll be remedied with the return of Lanzini, or do you think you'll kind of stick with a cross-heavy game for the rest of the season? Well, I don't know. We're in two minds about Cresswell. It's, it's surprising, that stat, that you tell me, because... A lot of people are calling for Masuaku, our other left back, uh, to start ahead of Cresswell. Mm. Um, He's not the player he was one or two seasons ago. We're not getting enough crosses in. Uh, Lanzini's still getting up to speed. Uh, I mean, we're just not scoring goals at the moment. <laughs> it comes that our assist yesterday came off Joe Hart. <laughs> I'm sure you saw it. Oh, I mean, yeah, Route one, <laughs> Sam Allardyce was too proud of that one. Long ball from Joe Hart. Uh, bounces off a defender. We go around the goalkeeper and, and score our only goal. So, no, we're not getting enough crosses in, etc. If anything, actually, Masawaku, who we bought uh, from Olympiacos for £6 million, is a better left winger than he is a left back. And actually, he seems to play a better role than um, an Anatovic uh, on the left wing than, than yeah, our, our record signing does. Um, look, we, we, need, we need to get a lot more balls crossed into the box because, you know, and we need to play our main striker, right? At, <laughs> at, you know, Chikorito the fox in the box, as he showed, right? 
when he plays for Mexico, what did he do? The fox in the box scored one. He cleans up. You put him in the box, he will score. If you feed him, he will score. But we keep on having this un this this or, or the manager has this belief in in this donkey of Andy Carroll. Um and we pay dearly for that belief. Yesterday in yeah. in yeah, in, in one choosing him ahead of Sacco, who had all the form, scored for Senegal in the international before the international break had had uh, three goals this season, two in the League Cup, one in the league, and an assist. What's the boy got to do to get a start? And yet he starts with Andy Carroll. And then, anyway, don't get me on Andy Carroll. Uh, we need, yeah, we need lots more balls in the boxes for West Ham uh, because we are shy of, of goals. I think we've got we've got the finisher in Javan, uh, Javier Hernandez. We just we just need a few more balls in the box to to for him to put some away. Yeah, I think part of the issue uh, is not the talent, just that uh, when IU plays, he wants to score. I think didn't he score like fifteen plus his year at Swansea? Uh, you have Antonio yeah. who likes to score. You have Arnautovic who likes to score, uh, and not a lot of them are creating. I know Tottenham struggled no. with that for a little bit um, well, when we brought in Chadley. Yeah. A- AU is another record signing before we <laughs> signed the current record signing, right. who's, who's been a bit of a flop. Who replaced um, Gokantore, who got hurt immediately. And who was the other winger you had last year from uh, Valencia? Oh, uh, uh, Faguli. Yeah, Sofian Faguli. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. It's, so this is a long-standing issue. You know, but, but, but you could say, you know, look what Zaza's done. Simone Zaza's gone off and, and, and scored like six goals and a hat-trick in eight <laughs> minutes. You could argue that Slavin Bilic is playing people out of position. He's playing AU out of his favoured position. He's playing Chikorito out of his favoured position. He's playing a number of the West Ham players. You know, and Antonio last season playing them as a right back. Yeah. But obviously, he's not a right back. So, you know, there, there's this undercurrent still. Even though I said a minute ago, Slavin Bilic is not going to get the sack. We're running down his contract and we'll replace him in the summer. Everyone seems to know that, including the players. But he plays, it, it frustrates the hell out of me. He plays people out of position. And sometimes I think we pay the, the consequence of, uh, you know, it, it not quite working. Slavin Bilic has said himself, if you've got the confidence, you can play anywhere, which seems a bizarre statement to say. I mean, well, then why doesn't Andy Carroll play in goal? If he's got the confidence, let's play him in goal. <laughs> let's play Joe Hart up front. Then, because this is all about confidence. You can play anywhere. But then that must be true. Yeah. Yeah, there, there have certainly been some strange uh, choices by Bilic. But uh, I, I will say during the presser before the Tottenham match, because obviously I had to uh, watch that, uh, he, he always comes across so intelligent. It really makes you wonder where some of these decisions are coming from. Is, is he just overthinking it or... I don't know. He's a very stubborn man, mm. uh, and he, he he has an idea, and he will stick to it. And everyone can be shouting him, "You're wrong! You're wrong!" The only time I've seen him change recently was funny enough at Swansea, where where the crowd were baying, calling out for Lanzini because we didn't look like we were going to win against Swansea, and we were baying for Lanzini. And literally, he respond. I've never seen him do this. He responded within seconds and told Lanzini to strip down and he was going on. <laughs> and that's about the only time I've ever heard him swayed by a crowd opinion. Mm. Uh, he said last week, uh, I'm not here to be popular. 
uh, I don't mind the boo boys because I do everything. Every decision I make is in the best interest of the club. Uh, I don't do anything deliberately just to anger fans. <laughs> he said, sometimes my decisions will be unpopular. Yeah. Yes. You ain't kidding, Slav. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, coming to you now, Thomas. Uh, obviously, the Sadio Mane injury is uh, troubling again, although you did purposefully strengthen at the position by bringing in both Mohamed Salah and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain to deal with his potential absence again. Uh, still only eight matches played for Liverpool this season. A lot of people before this match, before the United match, were trying to guess how Klopp was going to deal with this, if it was going to be Sturridge up front with Firmino out wide, Firmino up front, maybe just bring Oxlade chamberlain in as a like-for-like replacement. How do you envision your front five or six with the Mane injury? What do you think is the best way to address that? Well, it's a tough question because uh, Mane was our best player at the start of the season and uh, it would be tough to cope without him, but we, we tried after the red card against Manchester City as well and uh, we didn't play as good without him, so hopefully Klopp will uh, put Coutinho in the front three with uh, Firmino in the middle and uh, Salah on the other side because um, I think we need better balance in the midfield and um, we often play better when Coutinho is up at the front three so we can keep uh, Chan and Henderson and Vinaldum in the middle. Um, but if Klopp really believes that Coutinho's best position is in the middle. We can't change him every time we have an injury. We need to play him in the position where Klopp's, Klopp thinks he's the best. So uh, if Klopp thinks of uh, Coutinho as a midfielder, we need him to play there. And uh, if that's the case, maybe it's time for Oxlade Chamberlain to play on the left side of uh, Firmino because the main issue here is that we don't change the position of Firmino because he was great at the start of the season but when we started to change his position he has uh, hasn't shown anything at all so uh, we need him at his best now with money out so i hope we play him in the middle for as long as it takes lalana is about a month away from getting back so maybe that will suit us that'll definitely be interesting to keep an eye on uh, henderson caught some flack over the international break for his performances for england just curious to think how you how you uh, feel he's been playing for Liverpool thus far this season? Yeah, um, I think he's been very inconsistent. He has made some some good games, but uh, a bit too many games where he hasn't gotten into the into the game at all. He has been r- running around searching for um, balls without getting him. So um, uh, I think our midfield has been a big trouble before for the, the back four. The back four is not as good as we as we wanted it to be. And without any cover from the midfielders, they are even more dangerous to have ahead of, um, in front of um, Minalea. So um, I would like Henderson and Chan to step up and, uh, and help our back four more and maybe leave the offensive play to the, to the players who are best for it. Yeah, do you think Henderson should be playing as a defensive midfielder or just more as kind of a deep-lying playmaker? He's the best option we have right now as a defensive midfielder. I think that is one of the positions we need to strengthen. Uh, we miss Lucas Leiva, and I didn't think that I would ever <laughs> take that sentence in my mouth, but we do. He was our maybe our only defensive midfielder last year. Sean is not good enough to play there, and uh, Henderson isn't at his best when he has to defend so much. 
So um, I hope that Klopp sees that as well. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, obviously, you have your easiest Champions League match coming up. Do you think that that's going to be a needed win? After There's been a little pressure building on Klopp, it seems, of late. Yeah, there is uh, getting... Here in Sweden, we talk a lot about the pressure on uh, Klopp. The Swedish supporters aren't very happy with him right now. So uh, he needs to start winning. And um, the two games against Maribor is something that we need to get six points out of because two points from the first two games in uh, the Champions League isn't good enough. We've played well, but we haven't scored. And uh, as we often do, we've had some easy goals uh, at the back. So we need to start winning if we want to get to the next round. And uh, if we don't beat Maribor, we don't have in the next round to... We're not good enough to be in the next round if we don't beat them. So... It's time for the players to step up and show that we're in Champions League to stay. Yeah, uh, hopefully uh, Liverpool can can represent England well in the Champions League as uh, the other teams seem to be doing thus far. Uh, Jake, today's match, uh, something happened that you had been wanting to see. You wanted to see uh, Marino paired with Shelby. Uh, we hadn't really seen much of Lejeune yet, although obviously a, a problematic penalty, but he looked good outside of that. Was, is it... Seeming like we're finally landing on Newcastle's best 11 and that you'll just kind of roll with that going forward? Um, I'm not sure. I think there'll be a bit of rotation still. Uh, Rafa likes to rotate. And I think today was weird because uh, Marino didn't actually start, which uh, was a odd. But the 11 players that did start were all, at, I think they were all uh, at the training ground during the international break, which I think is something that Rafa liked. It was Kieran Clark and Marino that were dropped and they were both on international duty so uh, that's really interesting that that happens because it, it seems like he, he'd worked on a plan but yeah Mar- marino signed on a permanent deal uh earlier this week which is really good yeah you've he, been asking I think for we got him, yeah he's, he's i think we got him for 6.5 million or something around that figure and that is crazy for a player who's that good already he's only just turned 21 a spanish under 21 international already bossing games in the premier league for us already looks like our, our most talented player probably up there with shelby uh those two are, are our best players so really good that we got that one done and i think he's definitely one that's gonna it, hopefully i want newcastle to grow with him but if not he's definitely gonna be one that's gonna be sold on for a massive amount of money in the future because he is so so talented um so yeah, that was really cool but yet yeah, yeah, today um we had Shelvin Hayden who played uh, centre midfield, and Hayden got the goal, which Great was uh, goal. quite a nice goal from what from what I remember of it. I've only I've only I haven't seen the replay, but uh, yeah, it was quite a, quite a nice strike. And he, he offers us something a little bit different. I think in all games, uh, Rafa won't go for Shelby and uh, Hay, uh, Shelby and Marino just because they're a little bit too offence minded, and, and Hayden does a lot of the running and, and the sort of the dirty work that goes on the scene. So I think that's why he, he played today, which was interesting. Why yeah. Rafa played Marino and Shelby against Liverpool because you'd have thought Hayden would have been good for that game, but he, he paired those two together and it seemed to have worked there. So I think that's definitely going to be our first choice going forward, especially at home because they just, they're just so good on the ball. They're so intelligent. And, and like I was looking at, I'll just read a couple of our possession stats from the season because they're really interesting to me because I'm used to teams dominating, pose- uh, having less of the ball, but then, you know, taking the chance as well. But with Newcastle, mm-hmm. we seem to be creating more chances than the opposition, even with uh lower percent uh, possession like today we had 38 percent possession and had 19 shots to uh southampton's 12 uh against swansea we had 38 percent possession again and we had 16 shots to their 10 
against Stoke, we had 42% possession. We had 14 shots to their 13. And against West Ham, we had 37% possession and 17 shots to their eight. So there's definitely a game plan there that we just don't want the ball. And I, th- I think the two games we <laughs> lost, aside from Tottenham, were the games where we dominated possession against Brighton and Huddersfield. So it seems like if we if you give Newcastle the ball, we're not very good with it. But we're really good at winning it back high up the pitch and sort of nice incisive moves to get the shots in on goal so I, I think if you sort of measured you know timed our possession from winning the ball to shot it's it's really small and I think that's where we can get some quite good opportunities because we've got Shelby and Marino who can pick up those passes so yeah it's really encouraging and, and on Lejeune as well it seems like it's in the DNA of any foreign defender coming into the Premier League no matter how good they can be is to just make it completely brainless like foul in the Premier League box to give away a penalty I think it happens with all new defenders in the Premier League it's, it's I mean that would have been a penalty anywhere but he's just he did so well that entire game he, he was heading well he was uh looks really good on the ball with some nice touches uh you know making the right decisions to sort of position him but it was just such a brainless such a brainless tackle I think he was going away from goal near the byline there's no need to make it and it just seems like that was just in the DNA of just foreign defenders they just come and do it I think in and if once he gets out of his system I think he won't be punished for it too much. I think Rafa is, 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 is said so much after the game. He said he played really well and it's just just a mistake uh, and that the team were getting better and stuff. So I think he looks really good and he's definitely going to improve us going forwards. But today, yeah, he did make an error that cost us two points. The other thing I wanted to, to, to touch on with you uh, about is Joselu because he obviously uh, scored in his first full match, uh, which was against West Ham. Sorry, Sean. Um and continues to be in the top five in the league in shots on target. But when you watch him, he doesn't really seem like a natural finisher. Just curious to get your take on which side of that coin you think is a little more uh, closer to the truth. Yeah, I, I don't think he's a very good finisher. <laughs> I, did, I said uh, I was. I think I was on the Anfield Index podcast after the Liverpool game, and it was just laugh. It was just the goal he scored in that was just ridiculous. Like it just bounced <laughs> off him. And I, I didn't even think it was him. Going to score goals. I thought it was tapped in by Matisse. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, he was just bounced off him, and then the the West Ham one as well. He just got past it, and he he literally just he shot at goal, but it was going so slow. If it was, it was just he scored two terrible goals. He does a lot, and he makes us play better as a team. Like because he wins uh, wins a lot of aerial balls. He's always uh, has some defenders. Does a lot of running, a, lot, a really good work rate. But he's just a not good. He's not a good finisher. He's been through on goal, I think, four or five times now and not scored. Apart from the one against Liverpool, which was, which was lucky more more than judgment. So I think, I think maybe he's gonna he, he's gonna be score more goals. He's gonna score a lot more goals of his head. He's a bigger threat of his head. And I think, I think Rafa won't mind him not scoring goals as long as the team is scoring and he's contributing to the overall play. I don't think it's it's a massive issue. But the the problem we have with strikers is that Gale just he doesn't. He doesn't look good at all. And I, I don't think it's a technical problem. I think he's more than good enough for the Premier League. I think there's been a lot of rumours about his mentality. Uh, and he, he, he doesn't trust his hamstrings. And I, I saw that today. He, he wasn't committing to any runs. And he, he was always feeling his hamstring. I think he, he's because he's had so many hamstring injuries, he just expects it to go and he won't commit to runs. And that's a more dangerous place to be than being injured because it's going to be tough to get over that. So I don't think Gale's going to be much use in, in the near future. The Mitrovic is the one that could come in because um, I think he's a better player than Jotelou overall. I think he's better technical. He's a, got more technical skill. He's, he's he's still young. He can get a lot better, and he does a lot of what Jotelou does. 
when he's interested. And that's the big thing with uh, Mitrovic. He hasn't come back since he got suspended after the West Ham game, which he played 20 minutes and scored. So, I mean, he played really well, but then just threw a stupid elbow, which is what he does. He's just an idiot and he's, he's been punished for it. But I think he's the one, he's the one striker we have currently on our, in our squad that I think could go on and be a really good Premier League striker for us. I think he's got everything, but he's just, he's just an idiot. And, and the the best example is Shelby. Like he's come, he got punished for for his red card. He's come back in and he looks really good now. Like today, he was really good against Liverpool. He was he was really good. I think if Mitrovic can learn from Shelby and come back in like that, I think I think we're, he's going to be the one going forward that is going to be our first choice striker. Yeah, it will be fun to see if Mitrovic can win that job because he is still a, a very highly regarded talent. It's just whether or not he can keep his head screwed on right. Um, will be playing, of course, at the World Cup with Serbia having qualified. All right, now we're going to head into Player Watch, where this week we're going to be talking about a player who either positively or negatively has surprised you this season. Uh, for example, at Tottenham, mine is very much Musa Sissoko, um, because instead of just being absolutely awful like he was last season, he's advanced all the way to an almost man this year, where in a lot of matches, because he was playing in the Premier League while Winks was still out um, and has been largely playing while Dembele has been saved for the Champions League. So Soko has actually gotten some minutes. And he has been so close to making so many things happen. He's almost scored multiple goals. He's almost created multiple chances. He's almost uh, just destroyed people in front of him uh, where he'll like completely make a fool of the player in front of him but lose the ball and it'll just roll out to touch. Um, but we're finally seeing signs. And, and whether or not he actually ends up converting any of those were at least kind of seeing it somewhat. He's been productive. He'll chase down players to make tackles. Uh, he's doing what we need him to do, which is carry the ball in between lines uh, of the defense, um, which without Dembele, we don't really have a player that's willing to do that other than Dela Ali, but he plays much further forward uh, than I think where we initially imagined he'd play when we signed him. Um, but anyway, that's uh, for me for Tottenham. Sean, at West Ham, is there anybody that's uh, really surprised either positively or negatively? Well... Can I can I carry on with the Andy Carroll rant? I would love for you to carry on with the Andy Carroll rant. For those that don't know, Andy, Andy Carroll. Carroll got a red card yesterday. Well, not only that, it's his fourth yellow of of, of the season. <laughs> fourth yellow. So How one more, he season? has a suspension. This I mean, is he, he was lucky. I was lucky. He was lucky not to. I mean, to be honest, a lot of people said that should be a a straight red. Um and. It, Andy Carroll is just so ungraceful. When he jumps up, his arms flail around. I mean, we've had this before when he got sent off um, against Swansea a couple of years ago. You know, it's not deliberate. He's just such a, a tall oaf and ungraceful that when he jumps in the air and he's committed, his arms go everywhere and, and often the elbows end up in people's faces. But he, he deserved to go and he changed the game. Yeah, whether what or not the Andy elbow Carroll was intentional, got? he did sprint like 10 yards into him. Well, that ball yeah. was in the air. What does Andy Carroll done? The answer is he's given away two goals this season. He's cost us four yellow cards. Do you know what? Everybody's delighted. We're going, don't appeal it. Whatever you do, we don't. We're so excited not to have Andy Carroll. It's almost like Slav has to pick. Andy Carroll's got some dirt on Slav and Village. It's either a compromising <laughs> picture. It's it's at about an alleged affair or something. He's got some dirt on Slavin Village that says he's he's that you must play me. Now, on Friday when we play Brighton, he cannot pick Andy Carroll. So he has to have a plan B. And I, for one, are really excited to watch Sacco 
and Chikorito play alongside each other. Um, so, you know, I think Chikorito has been getting a, a bad beef. And, you know, to, to get those two to play to, together uh, will be great. And, and Lanzini's getting fit all the time. Um, my, my player to watch, you know, and he's really coming in good, is um, Joe Hart. And the player to watch, I'm going to give almost my man of the match, uh, is Joe Hart. I think he made some really crucial saves for us. Even a cheek, and the, you know when the luck's with you. See the, the, where it, it came off the back of the post? Hit him on the back. And how many times have we seen that? That then it goes uh, from his back and back into the goal. Did you see that when it sort of spun yeah. around? But he turned around and just grabbed so, it. So I think, you know, although we're paying him something like 130 grand a week, I think he's showing his class. He's a really good keeper. He came out, he punched a few. And how many goalkeepers did you have him on your dream team? I hope he got an awarded an assist. Can goalkeepers get assists? I I don't know. I will check on it uh, during uh, Thomas's support. So 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 my 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 hero is Joe Joe Hart, and my absolute villain uh, is is Anthony Carroll, and he's got the cheek to come out a few days ago, pushing for a place in England. How dare he? How dare he? <laughs> if he wants to go to Russia. I say, no, no, sort out your own game first, sort out your game. Oh, one last thing I'm going to say. He actually did an interview this week where he said, and I quote, my my game is not all about goals. I'm going to repeat that. As a striker, my game is not all about goals. Well, thank God for that, because you haven't scored any. <laughs> it's very convenient. Uh, oh, <laughs> dear. We better move on. I was going to go on all night. Oh, Fair man. enough. Uh, to wrap this up, Joe Hart was indeed awarded an assist for the goal in the official Premier League fantasy game. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, Thomas, uh, Liverpool kind of up and down thus far. Has there been a player that's impressed you? Yeah, as you say, there have been a lot of ups and downs, so it's hard to find a player that's been very consistent during this season. But um, I have to say that I've been a bit impressed by Alberto Moreno, uh, and that is also something that I never <laughs> thought I would say. But uh, he almost looks like a defender right now, because he has always been okay going forward. He's quick, <laughs> and that's what you want from a modern left-back. But... Uh, now we can defend as well. Maybe it's because the other three in our back four looks worse. But um, I think he's been quite good this season. He's uh, starting to play more with his brain than he has done before, where he almost just looked like a, uh, just uh, running around. But now he thinks more when he plays, and uh, we need that. I was hoping to see Andy Robertson more at the start of this season, and I was quite sure that Moreno would leave. But uh, right now it's hard to to take him out of the team. There are a lot of players who have been showing worse signs. So uh, I, th- I think Alberto Moriano is the one who has, uh, who has uh, shown most this season so far. I expect a lot, of mo- lot more from uh, the other players. And um, the player that has disappointed me the most, I have to say, is Daniel Sturridge. Because now he's, he's rested during most of the games and he doesn't have to play as much as he used to. Uh, so I thought that he would be great coming off the bench and be dangerous at the end of the games. But uh, 
every time he's on the pitch, it's like we're getting worse. If we take off Coutinho and get him on the pitch, nothing happens. And um, that's not what I wanted to see from him. I wanted him to score and uh, give us the late points. But I think, don't think we have scored in the second half for many games now. And uh, the last 20, 30 minutes, is, uh, it's like we stopped playing. So um, that's, not, that's not what I wanted from him this season. Yeah, uh, and it seemed like this would be the perfect time to get him on with Mane out. It opened up one of those spaces, certainly not staking a very strong claim for it. Uh, Jake, obviously you're up in the Premier League, so there's naturally going to be changes. Like Dwight Gale obviously tore up the championship last year, not so much the Premier League uh, this year. But any surprises kind of aside from the natural jump from the championship to the Premier League? Um, yeah, they've got a couple. Uh, yeah, like you said, Gale. I, but like I, I mentioned earlier, I think it's a mental thing more than a technical thing. He's more than good enough for the Premier League. Uh, when I saw him last season, his, his touch and his, the way he moves, he's so talented. He's just, yeah, it's just not worked out. And I don't think he's going to be here in a few months, which is a shame. But uh, I'm sure we'll move on from that. But yeah, the player that's really surprised me the most, uh, I'd say, is Javi Mankio, who, who has joined the uh, Rafa Benitez um School for defenders and and graduated with with flying colours like Kieran Clark did last <laughs> season. But we 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 bought and DeAndre Yedlin as well. We we just sign these players, but we get told when we sign them from from other clubs that they're terrible, they can't defend, we they're awful, and then they come in and do an absolutely fine job. And it's almost like they were playing in a team with bad coaching and bad and, and just in bad teams rather than them being bad. Uh, happened with Kieran Clark last year. He's, he's been one of our best defenders since. DeAndre Yedlin's come on leaps and bounds. And, and Javi Mankiw, who, who came off with our with our neighbour Sunderland, they were telling us that uh, he was awful and that he couldn't defend. And now he's he's absolutely fine. He's, he's He looks really good. Um, is rarely in the wrong position. It's just, it's, it's just good going forward, contributes there. It's, uh, really good, you know, in the right position all the time, and he's just learning from Rafa, and I think that's the main thing. He, he played Rafa to go Madrid and Liverpool, like he can't be bad. He's still, I think he's 24, and uh, I think we probably got him for like two or three million, which just looks a bargain now because he, he he's he's an easily a, a Premier League quality uh, fullback. So he, he's been the one that's really impressed me, uh, and I think he's going to keep improving. Um, the one that's disappointed, yeah, but aside from aside from Gale. Is it tough? I think um, probably, although it's harsh to say, I think Rob Elliott has. I th- I, yeah, he's just not very yeah, good. Just letting, a, just letting <laughs> a few goals where you're like. Yeah. Yeah, he's just not very good. I think I can see why we wanted to get a new goalie in the summer. We didn't get one, which is a shame. I think maybe we might get one in January if, if there's one on offer. I'd, I'd, even, I'd even go as far to say I'd rather see Caldarlo be playing instead of him. Uh, or we've got the goalkeeper who played in the under-20 team at the uh, the under-20 World Cup that England won. I think he's their goalie. He made, made a penalty save in the fi- uh, final. Freddie Woodman, really highly rated. I think he's been scouted by Tottenham and Arsenal. The, the, the usual suspects have all been looking at him. And he's yet to get a first-team game for Newcastle. Um, it's difficult with goalies. You don't really want to put them in when they're 20, 21. But there's a lot of fans that, you know, ask sort of wanting him to to get a go which I wouldn't be against in a cup competition but we got knocked out of that really early so that didn't happen but yeah <laughs> I just think goal is just a one of it's just a weak position I think the first goal today I haven't seen it back but I think he probably could have done better with that and when the penalty was awarded I had no faith in him saving that I just think he, he's he's fine he's just he's just not very good he's probably one of the worst keepers in the league but uh yeah I mean we can only get better in that position so yeah we can't get worse 
All right, uh, I just realized that I should also name drop Ben Davis. I didn't think of him because he also did well last year. People just didn't realize it. But obviously, Ben Davis has been very good for us this season as well, making me think uh, Danny Rose doesn't automatically get his spot back in Tottenham's 11 when he's fully fit back in training. Now, all right, we will wrap up with match previews. We'll lead in with uh, Thomas. Of course, we we name dropped it earlier. Uh, Maribor versus Liverpool. How strong a team do you think we're going to see rolled out for this one? Well, we we need to win this game, so I I think we'll play the best team we, uh, the best fit team. We played early on Saturday, and I think we play Spurs late on Sunday, so there are no need to rest players. Uh, Karius will play in goal, of course, as he has done in all the previous Champions League games. But apart from that, I think it's it will be almost the same team as uh, against Manchester United. So it will be a strong team, and we absolutely need to win this game. We, if we lose or draw, we'll have a real tough game going forward against um, against Spurs on Sunday, and we need to we need to get some wins to get the team going. Been a lot of draws lately, and uh, we need to get we need to get to win and to score to get the players to get have some self confidence again. So hopefully we can score a couple of goals against them and uh, get three points from Slovenia. Yeah, fortunately for you, Tottenham's record after Champions League matches uh, or Europa League matches over that long run, not super great, um, <laughs> including the draw with Burnley where we were winning, like uh, in Sean's West Ham scenario, we were winning, I think it was the 88th minute uh, before letting uh, Chris Wood score against <laughs> us on his debut. Um, <clears throat> Tottenham will play midweek in the Champions League, obviously, hence that uh, statistic there. Um we're playing. Uh, will, 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 will people turn up? You know, will you actually uh, sell all your tickets in in Wembley Stadium? I mean, was ninety thousand not enough for you? Well, you do, well you not when when we're playing. I'm I bought a ticket to to uh, go to the League Cup, mm-hmm. but uh, Spurs, much to the disgust of the West Ham ball, because I spoke to them about this, only de- decided not to open the upper tier, so there's only fifty thousand to sell. We only got given 4,800, which we sold out in minutes. Yep. And we could have sold four or five times that. Guess what? Spurs, for the West Ham game, it's gone on general sale. You've got 45,000 season ticket holders didn't buy it. You've got about 40,000 members didn't buy it. You've got 45,000 on the waiting list, apparently, didn't buy it. General sale, guess what? Still hasn't sold out. Yeah, well, I'd or imagine they'd this. show up if they were pl- uh, playing a bigger club. But... um. For the match against <laughs> Real Madrid that we're playing on Tuesday, um, I would imagine we'll open the upper tier for that. Um, that stadium's too big for you. <laughs> Listen, it was better than MK Don's. That was the other stadium option, so uh, not too bothered by it, to be honest. Um, good news for us in this uh, match against Real Madrid. They are heavily injured. No Gareth Bale, no Danny Carvajal, no Mateo Kovacic. Marcelo's a maybe. Benzema seems to be back. And now we're hearing uh, that Sergio Ramos has the stomach flu and Kaylor Navas has an adductor muscle injury. So if there was ever a time to beat Real Madrid, it would be now. Will we do it? No. No. <laughs> probably probably no. not. But if we can get a point from either Real Madrid match, basically we go through. Because then it's just us versus Dortmund on goal difference. And we've already uh, put plus two to the good in that category against them. Um, again, much like uh, Thomas was saying, we will roll out our best in 11 here. It doesn't sound like Ben Davis will be fit in time, um, which is obviously a blow. <laughs> we'll throw up into the air how we're going to line up. 
Uh, obviously, we played Kieran Trippier in the Premier League to play Serge Aurier in the Champions League, who you would much rather have on Ronaldo, because the idea of Trippier, <laughs> Trippier trying to cover Ronaldo was already giving me night terrors. Um, it is probably disappointing. Uh, I think Bale versus Davis would have been really interesting from the Welsh perspective. Obviously, that's uh, both of them not going to be playing in this match. <laughs> if Kane can score, um, I think we'll take that as a win and just move on. Um, obviously, this one is in Spain, um, but he's already pushing for the, the top uh, score in the Champions League. And so if he could uh, <laughs> hold that at least through December when hopefully we'll make our way through the group, uh, that would be terrific. Oh, uh, so this one's away, is it? It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, so right. he'll you actually score. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. for you, don't worry. <laughs> um, uh, the, obviously, uh, for us, Della Ali is going to be the biggest miss. This is the last match of his suspension. He'll be back for the reverse leg against Real Madrid, which is just the following week. Um, but you can expect uh, Hyungman Son to play in this one. Uh, whether or not it'll be Sissoko or Winks in midfield, we'll see. Uh, neither one's uh, particularly inspiring uh, for a Champions League run, although worth noting uh, that when we beat Inter Milan, our midfield consisted of Jermaine Genus and Tom Huddleston. So <laughs> we've, we've been through this before. Hopefully uh, we can come out of this one relatively unscathed. I think a draw, the best we can hope for, but not super optimistic <laughs> about it. Uh, you already, Sean, mentioned the Brighton match that's going to be coming uh, on a short shift, coming for you on Friday. Uh, excited yep. about a night under the lights? Yeah, I think it's always a bit good, and it's starting to feel a bit special now under those lights. I mean, West Ham and Brighton are one of five teams all on eight points after playing eight. They always say if you average one point a game, you should be safe from relegation. We're hoping to do a bit better than that. But yeah, I mean, they obviously played Everton, which are one, you know, West Ham a 15th, Brighton a 14th, Everton a 16th. Uh, that was a 1-1 draw uh, yesterday. So, or was it today? I can't remember. Um, so very evenly matched. We've had a very similar season, as I say, played eight, eight points. They've got minus four. We've got minus six. It will be a very interesting game. I'm hoping we can win it without Andy Carroll. Um, <laughs> and do you know what? And this is the crazy thing. So five teams on eight points, another three Huddersfield, West Brom and Southampton on nine points. If we win on Friday, we automatically go into 10th place. We jump up five places. So, as I said earlier, a bit crazy in the early parts of the season and, and we could well do with, with, with jumping up a win under our belt uh, against Brighton, uh, under the lights, in the London, in the London Stadium, uh, without Andy Carroll. <laughs> uh, so, uh, predicting a win then? Yeah, I'm predicting a win. Yeah, go on. Um, <laughs> we'll wrap up with Jake. Uh, you're playing Crystal Palace. Uh, the first time this season, it seemed to be a bad time to play them. I'd say it's a good time to play them. I'm I'm very happy they've got that win and the goal because that definitely would have happened against Newcastle if they hadn't done it. So I'm glad that's gone. <laughs> that cannot happen. If they do it, then it's not quite as embarrassing. Uh, but no, we're we're really good now. I think I think we're a really good football team. Like we've had, uh, we the last two last three games at James Park, we beat West Ham, we beat um, Stoke, and then we drew to Liverpool. And I think we looked absolutely good. We looked really good in the first two, and we looked absolutely fine against Liverpool. So I think. I think at home we're we're going to be fine this year. I think we'll we'll beat Palace. I think it could be a bit. They might think they're on a high. It might be a bit after you know, the, the day after the Lord show. They might just not turn up. That often happens after a big win. And I'm just I'm still not convinced by them. I think uh, you're not buying it on the Zaha as a striker um, uh, project. Yeah, no, nah, 
No, I'm not. I'm not buying it. I think Hodgson is probably not going to last that long either. So yeah, I'm. I'm confident. I think we're we're good right now. We we we're just consistent. We deliver the same performance every week, and Crystal Palace probably do not. So yeah, I think we'll win. I think we'll we'll get back to winning ways. We haven't won in three, although we have drawn two of those. So I think yeah, we'll win. We we'll get an, a nice home win to to climb up even higher than ninth, which would be great. All right, uh, that'll do it for us today. So if you'd like to tell everybody where they could reach you or any projects you're working on, now would be a good time. Hi, I've been Sean Wexton. You can find me on Twitter at West Ham Football. I also am a presenter on a West Ham podcast called More Than Just a Podcast, and that's more as in Bobby Moore with two O's. Uh, I write for two websites. One of them is called westhamtillidie.com, where I have a Sunday column. And the other one is called clarenthew.info, which is a West Ham daily news website. Thanks for listening. And I've been uh, Thomas Nygren. I uh, also have a Twitter, but I tweet in Swedish, so I'm not sure if too many of you will understand, but you can find me <laughs> at Thomas Nygren. And uh, I also write for www.lfcsv.se. And uh, we have a quite new podcast called the Total Liverpool Podcast. And it's, everything is in Swedish, but uh, we have a few. You can watch the images on the site and maybe try to learn a new language but uh, <laughs> give it a listen and google translate is always your friend yeah yeah you could get my uh, twitter at jake jackman with two ends i will not be tweeting in any other languages because i'm english and we are just really bad at that but yeah i write for epl index and the boot room so check both those out and uh, also give a shout out to um James on the championship show. I think he interviewed Colin Murray earlier in the week, and that was a really good listen. And they cover some Liverpool stuff as well. So definitely give that one a listen. Yeah, and we'll continue to push that out uh, through both EPL Index and EPL Roundtable. Uh, I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. I tweet in American English. <laughs> and uh, you can find my writings over at goal.com under the gaming tab. It's all fantasy stuff over there. Uh, and also I host the FPL Roundtable, which is the fantasy show on this channel. And also do DFS content, which is daily fantasy for those that don't know, uh, for both uh, VIP Bet and for... Fantrax and Fantrax Radio, which you can find at Fantrax and at Fantrax Radio. All right, that will do it uh, for us. Thank you guys so much for coming on. It was a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. <laughs>